There is more going on than you know. There are unseen universal forces at work. The law of attraction is just one universal law that plays a part in shaping your reality. But there's so much more to know. If you knew how to engage all the universal forces, you could deliberately create the life of your dreams. Joshua, a group of non-physical teachers, explains the laws of the universe and how the mechanisms of physical reality actually work. They are channeled by Gary Temple Bodley, and each week, Gary and a group of students discuss how they are affecting and enhancing their lives every single day. This is the expansion of the Law of Attraction. This is the teachings of Joshua Roundtable. We're thrilled you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley. And today with me, I have a special guest right from the beginning, Jeanette Ma. Jeanette is a famous Law of Attraction blogger and podcaster and coach and all-around spiritual leader and teacher. And she's joining me for our first on-air conversation ever. So today, we're just going to talk about Law of Attraction and how we got into it and what's going on in our lives and and just see where this conversation goes. So, Jeanette, welcome to our show. <laughs> what a fun introduction. Thank you, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> the great and powerful Jeanette Ma. <laughs> I definitely did not deserve that intro, but it's making me smile. So. <laughs> well, you know, it's like when I started channeling Joshua, I wrote the first book, and I looked, who can I send this book to? And so I, I you know, just Googled Law of Attraction blogger, or maybe just Law of Attraction. And you came up first. And so I really got into everything that you were doing. And so I sent you a book and you sent back that the first words of the book, which is everything is right. There is no wrong anywhere in the universe Mm. resonated with you. Mm. And then we just had this ongoing conversation and, and a relationship and, even your dad got in. Oh my gosh. I have a lot of family where I'm, I don't know who's exactly your biggest fan, but uh, my dad's definitely near the top of the list. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. Good. So you live in Utah. Yeah. And have you always lived there? Born and raised. I, I got wired to this place. I, I, when I had a corporate job for many years, I was uh, recruited by many other companies that flew me out to go check out, you know, life in their neck of the woods. But something in me says Utah, not just Utah, but Northern Utah very strongly. I have no desire to leave. Absolutely love it here. Yeah, that's great. That's great to find your place in, you know, Mm. yourself in this place that Mm -hmm. you love. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I don't love other places. I do, but for living, yeah, I like to visit other places. Mm -hmm. I got to stay in Utah. Something about Utah says this is where I belong. So let's start at the beginning. Um, when were you when you got first interested in law of attraction? Well, I discovered it by accident, as I know many have, although we know there are no accidents. Right. But uh, yeah, I read a book. And it was at a time in my life when I was seeking. I was definitely not loving life. And I had been a seeker for many, many years. I was like a self-help junkie. I know a lot of people can relate to that too. Yeah, me too. and one day I found myself oh my gosh this is so funny how this worked I it was so dark not only was I not loving my job I was in a dead-end relationship my health 
had been seriously compromised because I had so much contrast in my life. I didn't realize it at the time, but I do now. I, nothing was really going well for me. And I had actually, the only thing that, that kept me going on a day-to-day basis was my foster, my volunteering as a foster mom for animal rescue groups. And at the time I had, I was fostering dogs and cats at eight big dogs. I specialized in big dogs. Like if someone had a foster of a big dog or a challenging dog in any way, shape or form, I got them. Mm. I was known for it. At eight big dogs in my teeny weeny little 850 square foot house <laughs> and a little postage stamp of a yard. And I was out scooping poop one day and I realized this poop won't scoop because the gra- there was no grass. The grass had dried up. It was a Utah summer. All I, all I was doing was pushing the poop around with the little pooper scooper. And for some reason, that was the last straw for me out of my little nervous breakdown. I like to think of it as my one and only. <laughs> but uh-huh. I, I threw the bag of poop in one direction. It landed in the neighbor's bushes. Uh-huh. And the pooper scooper in another direction. Uh-huh. It landed on the garage roof. And I went to bed. I was done. Capital D, done with life. I just, I couldn't do it anymore because the one thing that I took joy in had now become a toleration. Mm. And as a matter of fact, it was at a time when I had, I'd had a, uh, a, a terrible, terrible run with no adoptions for like three months. People in the rescue community, they would be talking about like, no one had ever seen such bad luck before. <laughs> with, you know, I not only wasn't getting any dogs adopted out, I was getting dogs back because, you know, returns and, oh, Oh my God, the stories. It was just ridiculous. Okay, so I was done, went to bed to do nothing, but I was bored. So I started reading and I picked up a book that I had bought by accident at the bookstore one day. It was called um, uh, How to Get Everything You Ever Wanted by Adrian Calabrese. And when I, st- when I saw the book at the bookstore, I was like, how to get everything you ever wanted? And I started to browse it. And it was like, you don't even need to look through this book. Of course, you're going to own a book called How to Get Everything You Ever Wanted. You are buying that book. So I didn't even know what was in it uh-huh. until I had my nervous breakdown, went to bed, and I needed something to read. I cracked up some new book. I started reading it. I knew immediately I had wasted my money. This was a terrible, terrible purchase. This author was crazy. She was talking about stuff I would never do. In a, never. This was, and I was a seeker. I was pretty up that. No. None of this. Oh my word. But I had a stupid, I had a rule for myself. I won't call it a stupid rule. It felt like a stupid rule at that time because I was doing it with a stupid book. The rule was to do at least one thing from every book that I read because I was just reading self-help book after self-help book. And I was like, Jeanette, it was not going to help if you don't do something. So I had the rule, Uh do one thing, at least one thing from every book. So I found the least crazy thing. She was talking about building altars and burning incense and stuff I was never going to do. Never going to do. But there was one thing called, I think she called it scripting. It's where you talk about what you want as if it already happened. It was the least crazy thing I could find in the book to do. So after I finished the book, just following my stupid rule, I walked out of the bedroom (laughs) to where my boyfriend, I had a live-in boyfriend who was having to handle all the animals on his own because I'd given up. I wasn't doing anything anymore. I wasn't going to work. I wasn't showering. I was eating, but that's about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I came out of the bedroom. He's feeding all the dogs. And you could tell it's starting to wear on him that he's doing this routine solo. And I said, this is going to sound crazy, but just hear me out. And I talked about, I'm probably going to cry when I tell this story, Gary. Uh-huh. Uh, I talked about how great it was that Jeff got adopted. Jeff was, um, 
He was uh, nope. He was a dog, (laughs) (laughs) and I did not name this dog. He was a neighbor's dog from like a mile away. This Uh dog, he was a big husky. He kept coming over to our house to play. He would jump my fence to come and play with all the dogs at my place. Okay, but (laughs) he turns out he's a he's a challenging dog. And when we found out where he lived, um, because animal control, you know, we found out where he lived. We took him back to his owners. Oh my gosh, the dog just kept coming back. Eventually, the owners asked. Would we like to buy him from him? I'm like, right. no, we don't buy dogs. No, <laughs> right. we could get him placed in a better home than yours if you want. So he was like, okay, fine, you have him. So, but he was our most difficult dog because once I took responsibility for him, he didn't want to be stuck in my yard. He liked to come play in my yard, but he also wanted to leave my yard, which I would not let him do. Mm. So he was a, he 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 was a challenging dog. Huskies can be. So I said to my boyfriend. <laughs> Isn't it great how Jeff got adopted by that husband and wife with the two kids? I'm just making it up on the fly. Yeah. And they've got the other dog for him to play with. And they live nearby so we could visit him whenever we want. And they have plenty of money to meet whatever his medical needs might be. Isn't that great? And my boyfriend looked at me like I had two heads because <laughs> Jeff is laying right at my feet, right? And I didn't uh-huh. explain what scripting was. He didn't know what my book was. Right. But I didn't care. I was beyond caring. I'd had a nervous breakdown. I didn't care about anything anymore. So I turned on my heels. And it was, that was just it. A couple sentences. That was it. I turned on my heels. I went back to bed. That was Thursday night. Saturday morning, my boyfriend rolls everyone to the adoption fair because, again, I'm not helping. So he has to do it all himself. He takes everyone to the adoption. Same adoption fair everyone's been going to for three months, not getting any attention. Within an hour of dropping them off, we get a phone call from the person who's running the event, and I told them not to answer it. The only reason they call that early is because they either don't have room for your dog, or your dog is barking, he's acting up, or he's sick. They're basically saying, come and get your dog. And I was like, they have to be there all weekend. Do not answer the phone. (laughs) But he's a nice guy, and if there's a problem, he wants to know about it. So he answered the phone, and I was standing close enough that I I could hear Trish say on the other end of the line, you got to get down here. You got down. You got to get down here right now. And I hit him in the shoulder and I said, I told you. <laughs> and she went on to say, there's, I'm going to cry. There's two families down here fighting over Jeff and we don't know who to give him to. Gary, wow. that doesn't happen. That does not happen. First of all, if it, there's never two people fighting at the same time. And even if there were, they're easy to screen. You could get a dozen applications and still not have anyone who's worthy of adopting because they will, they will eliminate you for so many reasons. If you, if your dog ever got run over in the road, if you ever gave a dog away, if you, uh, like you could get refused for a wide, wide variety of reasons. If you rent, if your uh-huh. spouse isn't there to approving, if anyone's ever had any allergies. Okay. So, she says she's got two people who are two people. This doesn't happen. I drove with him. I, he drove. I went with him. I looked at the paper because I didn't understand. This didn't make any sense. And I walked in the store and I looked at the paperwork. And sure enough, both of these families were fabulous. They were like dream come true adopters. And they were both insisting on having Jeff as part of their family. And they both had a husband and wife with two kids and a dog. <laughs> they both lived nearby. They both looked like they were going to take great care of him. It was, I was flabbergasted. I actually was speechless. I handed the paperwork back because it didn't matter who he went to. He was going to be fine. He's like, Jeff's getting his happily ever after. I went back out and sat out in the car. And, and I thought, it took a minute for me to realize what had happened. And I thought, that 
Adrian Calabrese is not so crazy after all. I went back and I read the book again. Not only did Jeff get adopted that day, but the next day our Springer Spaniel Oakley got adopted. That dog was literally bouncing off the walls, literally bouncing <laughs> off walls. He got adopted into a fabulous home. Tuesday night, another rescue group took two of my black labs off my hands. I was down four dogs in four days. It was a wow. freaking miracle. And yeah. what year is this? Oh, good Lord. 2000, maybe. Okay, so this is, you've been doing this for a while. Yeah, I've been doing it. Oh, and that was it. That was a turning point for me. That was like, I'm done looking. I found the, I didn't know it was called Law of Attraction. I don't, I'm not even sure she uses the term in her book. It's been a while since I've read it, but, um, but I wasn't the same after that. I realized I don't need to look anymore. I, I've tapped into something that explains how it works, how the world works, how you can get what you want. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't the same person after that. Not, and then I got to be really annoying. And I read everything I could get my hands on, which wasn't much back then because it was before the secret. It was before asking it is given. Right. Uh, so it wasn't a lot. And, and there weren't, I didn't have any people in my world who were interested in hearing about it because whenever someone would complain about anything in their life, I would be so excited. I'd be like, oh, I totally know what can help you with that. And I would talk about scripting and they would be like, yeah, this girl's crazy. She's, she's, they, and people would stop talking to me. Well, I, I think that so many of us go through that exact same thing. Yeah. So, know? so excited to share it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it seems like there's no one around who wants I know. to listen. Yeah. I know. Well, you can imagine that's one reason why I'm so excited to be talking with you today. Once upon a time, this was my literal big dream, Gary, to be talking about this stuff with someone else who was interested in it. Right. <laughs> and now you have so many people you oh, can talk yeah. to. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah. That's all I do all day long now is talk yeah, to people about this stuff. Isn't it the best? Mm -hmm. Honestly. It's honestly. Even, though, also, even we moved to this little tiny town called Newton in North Carolina, and we find ourselves talking about this with just our normal friends that live here and don't know anything about law of attraction <laughs> at all, but they see the life that we have created and they just want to be part of it. And then, uh, then they'll start whining or moaning about something and then we'll share our different perspective and they're like, really? Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Well, and you know what else? I think it's a different day now than it, it was is. then. You know, like mm -hmm. I just think consciousness has been, it's probably been increasing for a while, but I, and, and I know this is a reflection of my own vibration, but it seems to me more and more people are more and more open than they were before. It's literally blowing up. Right? I it was seems just like in, that to me. Yeah, I was just in Amsterdam to see Abraham. I got, wow. Someone in one of my boot camps gave me the trip. They, it was a week in Paris, a week in Amsterdam, and tickets to Abraham. Holy moly. And it was the first time uh, Esther's ever been to Amsterdam to do a, a workshop. There were 3,000 people there. Oh, my word. She in needed Europe. to go there a lot sooner. <laughs> in, yeah, because Europe has always been this, like, really closed-off place. And now if I look at the stats on the podcast, UK is huge. I, I went know. to my first Abraham in 2010, I think. Mm -hmm. And there was one woman out of America. This was in Asheville. And she was from England, and she said, if I ever dared speak of this to anyone I know, they'd laugh me out of the country. And now England is huge, and wow. France is huge, like crazy huge France. And then Northwestern Europe, Finland and Norway and Sweden and, and uh, the Netherlands, all gigantic. It's just amazing. Three 
thousand people. That is so encouraging to hear. And, yeah. you know, I listened to the Amsterdam recording and those people are followers. They, they weren't, she wasn't introducing, like they know Abraham material. They've been following her, obviously. It's how she Yes, it was sold there. out and there were people on the outside. This was a, oh, they actually, this oh arena gosh. or this theater used to be an oil container, you know? So imagine one of those big, huge, gigantic round thing, 50-foot high ceilings, acoustically oh, wow. was spectacular. They turned it into this theater. And wow. there were people on the outside with their ears pressed up because they couldn't get in. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, and I heard a lot of the people telling stories about how they manifested themselves there. You know how they'd been wanting Abraham to come to Amsterdam, and ta-da, here they are. Two exactly. Yep. That's cool how it was. Stories. Yeah, it was cool. But, you know, what's interesting is, is – how I see Abraham now, who, and I absolutely love Abraham, but it is this huge bubble of inclusion that allows people to come from wherever they are and they resonate with the soft, gentle, easy, comforting message that feels good. But <clears throat> then it's it's been the same since I have yeah. friends who went in 2000, you know. Mm -hmm. I have a friend... Mark Shahada, who went to an event and, you know, he's going to pay for it. And he talks to this woman and says, you know, if this isn't for me, can I get my money back? And she said, sure, just come see me at the end. And so he goes, sits down. And that was Esther that he talked to. This woman Shut walks up, up from there and goes on stage. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. You know, wow. but it's, 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 it's general yeah. enough that allows people in. Yeah. And what I'm finding is that, that, People get into it, but then they get stuck. It's like my term is stuck in the law of attraction. <laughs> Are you noticing this too? Well, I'll tell you what I notice is that uh, there's an evolution in who we resonate with. And some people maybe discover Abraham before they resonate. And then maybe it's like they're so excited for a while. And then they're ready for something else more or different after that. Um, I personally have, I, I enjoy Abraham as much now as I ever did, but a lot of my, some of my clients, some of my friends are just like, I cannot stand her voice. I can't even listen to her. My mom's frustrated by Abraham. She says, ah, so repetitive. It drives me crazy. Mm. But, but I'm, then there are other people. Uh, look, I've had this experience with others like, um, oh, Bashar, I didn't used to be able to listen to Bashar in yes. the early days, uh -huh. but then I got excited about Bashar. I, I don't really plug in for, for different reasons now, but, but I think that's pretty normal for people to have that experience where what, whatever, what serves you now may not be what serves you a year from now because you will have evolved. You will evolve. And what happens, what I find is that, well, I found sort of the secret and the secret is the absolute acceptance of what is mm. of yourself of everyone else mm. and the conditions the place of absolute surrender to the universe to bring you what you truly desire not what you think you want <laughs> but when i got the reason i got into the secret and into abraham was i had lost all my money in the crash and i'm like i'm going to use this law of attraction stuff to get my money back so <laughs> i was approaching it from control Mm. And control can't work with law of attraction, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, you go into law of attraction, it says manifest anything you want. You can be, have and do anything you want. That's true. But what you think you want 
is different than what you truly want. You can manifest anything, but it's not going to feel the way you think it's going to feel when you get there. And people are so focused on the lack end of the stick, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is what's mm -hmm. maintaining the lack, right? I've done it enough times to know the truth of that from personal experience. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why one of the things I appreciate so much about Abraham's message, as well as other teachers, is that uh, you what really it's as simple as get happy now, right. because so I the way I approached conscious creation was oh let me manifest the things that I want so then I'll be satisfied and fulfilled exactly you know, your satisfaction and fulfillment's got to come first girl because even if you do manage to create that stuff which can be tricky but even if you do you're not going to feel any different than you did right. back when you were still lacking it so. in fact you'll get to like this is what I did I was trying to create a sense of worthiness through being successful. And I became very successful, but didn't feel worthy. Mm. And so I kept Mm. pushing it and I would open another branch office or buy another business or open this other thing. And eventually the house of cards came falling down. Then I'd have to pick myself up and do it all over again. And it came falling down again in 2009. Mm. And what I realized was I was chasing the feeling of worthiness from the outside. So any Mm -hmm. condition that's manipulated from the outside in order to make you feel something you don't already feel cannot work. Yep. 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 True story. It took me a while to figure that out. It it took me a while. So in your coaching, what do you coach? Mm. Well, the people that I love to work with are those who already know about law of attraction and conscious creation and are just looking to... Um, evolve their their master skills with it, or like if they're having some sort of trouble with it. That's who, I don't like to introduce it. I don't like to convince people this right. is how it works. But for those who are already excited about it, like whoa, I know I'm on something good here. I just something's not exactly clicking for me. That's my sweet spot. Yeah, that, those are people who are stuck in the law of attraction. They know the mm-hmm. law of attraction, but it's not clicking yet. Yeah, that's where Perfect. I love to work. Yes. So I, that's primarily who I'm talking with. And I'll, I will coach on any subject because it's all the same. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you want. It's all the same process. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not, it's not like I have to be an expert on relationships or business building or yeah. parenting or all I have to do is be a, an expert on vibration management. And right. it doesn't matter where you want to point it. Once you know how to work this, you can point it at anything. So, and don't you notice that in everyone's life, some things are working brilliantly <laughs> and some things aren't working? And why do you think that is? You know, because <laughs> if you could take how you feel about yourself in this thing that's working, like if you're really you know doing great in your career, that's because you have this high sense of self worth mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. area. But yes. in this other area of relationships, you have an unworthiness issue, and that's manifesting in in uh, troubling relationships. Yep. It's so interesting how that works. Every once in a while, I'll talk with someone who says nothing's working anywhere, but you're right. Generally, someone can find something going right in their world, even if it's not the thing that they care about. And often it is because we get fixated on the stuff that isn't going well or that we think isn't going well. But if we could bring that same approach, that same vibration, really the vibration of success, the vibration of having instead of lacking, if you could point that at any other subject in your world where you'd like to see movement, you will get results. Yeah. As long as you accept what is, is perfect now. Mm, but if boy, you keep that makes com- a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Keep complaining about that 1% that's not, it seems to be needing to be fixed. 
And, and always that 1%, you know, when you focus on some perceived problem that you have in your life, you're ignoring the abundance of wonderful things that are Oh happening. my gosh. Right? That's so true, Gary. I cannot tell you how many people become blind, myself on occasion as well, become blind to the abundance and the success that we already have. I am a firm believer it's already always there. And if we don't think so, then we're just not seeing accurately or helpfully. Uh, but I, I think it's true that we're already successful. We're already abundant. But if we tell a different story, then we have to experience it differently. Absolutely. And so, and why would you want to do that unless it's just to, you know, rev up the contrast for a really good story once you release it. But I well, agree with you. We're all taught that we have to control every aspect of our yeah. conditions. And so we're sort of programmed to focus on the thing that could be improved. Mm -hmm. And what it is, it's the illusion of improvement because everything <laughs> is right as it ah, is and ah, you're moving ah, to a new ah. level, right? Yeah, boy. So and, you, you and I are interested in self-improvement and Joshua says it's the illusion of imperfection that causes mm -hmm. you to strive for improvement. Ooh, you know, ooh, you're that is perfect. Really good. Yeah, you're perfect as you are. It's this illusion that you're imperfect, and, and it's a control mechanism because you say, once I get a handle on yeah. this, yeah, then, then I'll fix all yeah. these problems. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah. But it's you the know, it's the idea that you're imperfect that's causing all the you know it's causing you to perceive the problems. Yeah. Yep, and we'll get plenty of opportunities to, <laughs> life keeps bringing these chances for us to become more masterful at not falling for that routine of thinking, I'll be happy when. Right. It's, it's all about Christmas. Well, I'll be good now, and then Christmas will come, <laughs> you know, and then I'll get presents. <laughs> and then Christmas comes, and you go, geez, it's a whole other year till Christmas again. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you get into... Like me, it was the secret, and then ask it's and given, ask it is given, and then a workshop. Did you were there a little bit before all that? Yeah, I did eventually attend a couple of live workshops, and it gave me an appreciation for the edited CDs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there were some questions, some conversations that uh, oh, and I used to do it when it was like two full days. I yeah. think she, it's a lot shorter now, right? It is. It's, it's like three or four hours. Um, Asheville was two full days. Mm. And Amsterdam uh. was two full – well, it was two half days. Amsterdam was morning on Saturday, uh. morning on Sunday. Um, and we went to a land cruise in Cancun, and it was just the mornings for the four days. But That's, that that's a much morning. better way to do it. That's a, it's a long day. And especially for those who are really familiar with most of the concepts to get someone who's kind of arguing about it, you know, somebody who's brand new to it, listening to that. Anyway, I, I have done a couple of live workshops, but it didn't take long. And I'm not a person who loves to travel. So mm -hmm. it's definitely my preferred way to get my material yeah. online. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so then how did you choose to start blogging? Mm. Well, I, that's, that's a really interesting question because once upon a time I swore that I never would because everyone had a blog and I didn't want to be like everyone else, so I never would. But one day, it was my inspiration. One yeah. day, that was what I felt like doing. And then when I saw everyone doing podcasts and I was like, yeah, no, I'm never doing a podcast. And one day, actually, it was a comment on my blog, someone saying, please, please, please record these 
on a podcast and that and it occurred, first of all, someone wanted it. And second, I thought it could be that easy. You just want me to read my blog post? I could do that. So <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I was happy to do that. I, and, and it was easy and it was fun. So then the podcast. So they both started those things. And I was like, yeah, I'm never doing that. But um, I did. I broke all the rules in business when uh, I broke all the rules. I love that about me. So uh, eventually, you know, I'm, I've got this fire for conscious creation that no one appreciates. None of my coworkers or friends or family would talk about it with me. And so I had this desire for there just to be someone that I could talk about this with. That was the mm. desire I held for a while. And then pretty soon that desire desire evolved to, and wouldn't it be great if I got paid for it so I could quit this stupid job? Yeah. <laughs> and then one day I was at the grocery store and I was checking out and at the like two checks two check stands over there was a magazine rack with a magazine on the front cover it said in big letters do you need a life coach and I'd never heard the term before life coach I didn't know what that was but I was like transfixed you know when they talk about that experience when you're in a crowded room and you see someone and it's like everyone else disappears and all you could see is your loved one it yeah. was like that for me with this magazine. Like everything else fell away. Mm. I walked straight over. I set all my bags down because it was in, no one. There was there were no customers. I set all my bags down. I read the whole article on the spot. Frozen goods and all. I had ice cream with me, and I read the whole <laughs> article on the spot. And I and I just was all fired up about life coaching. And for a while, I thought, yeah, I guess I need to hire a life coach. So I hired like five before I realized. No, Jeanette, you're not you're supposed to hire coach. one. You're supposed to be one. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then I looked into training and I got training. And really what coaching was, was a convenient vehicle for me to deliver my passion for conscious creation. Mm -hmm. So pretty soon there I was. Took me through, And I fought this for a while because I had put a lot into this career and it was a really good job. Everyone thought I was insane to be leaving something that I, I was so employable. It was ridiculous, but uh, that this dream and this desire would not go away. So eventually I said yes to it and I had a full practice within three months of wow. starting. So uh, yeah, I, and I did all, like, you know, you're supposed to have a freebie and then you're supposed to have a low end product and then you're higher end. All I had, I didn't have a newsletter. All I had was a website and you could hire me for private coaching. That's all I had. And it turns out, Gary, that I, it was a while before I realized this, but I, um, my website was invisible. I didn't actually have the website that I thought I had. Uh, that's because I didn't understand technical stuff and my web designer apparently didn't either. It wasn't until I hired someone else and he said, uh, do you realize your website's invisible? I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? I, and I've been getting hired. I'm like, how am I getting hired? Because I, I refused to do all the things you're supposed to do. Tell everyone you know. This, mm -hmm. Send out a letter. Talk mm -hmm. whenever you're have a 30 mm -hmm. second. I refused to do any of that because I was operating from limiting beliefs that in Utah, <laughs> two things. First of all, they're too close-minded for mm -hmm. law of attraction. And number two, they're too cheap to hire a life coach. Those mm -hmm. were my two beliefs. So I knew that if I was going to do business, it would have to be online. That I wasn't going to get any local customers right. or clients. Of course. So I was relying on the website for bringing me my people. And I was getting hired, and I didn't know who they were. I didn't ask where they heard about me. And, um, yeah, but I, I was also practicing the vibration. I was practicing the reality of being a brilliant coach in high demand, getting hired left and right, rave reviews. They couldn't stop talking about me. They were sending their friends and family in to work right. with me too. So it was it, 
I don't know. I don't know how universe managed to get people through to me, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, it started with a book that I don't even think used the phrase law of attraction in it. I eventually, Oh, excuse me. Your life is waiting by Lynn Grabhorn. And she credits Abraham in that book for where Ah. she got most of her ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So I tracked down some Abraham stuff and I think they only had tapes back then. They certainly, I, I, I don't know. Maybe they had the Sarah books. I don't know. I didn't run across those. And then um, I eventually ran across like some Neville, Greg Braden, Joe Dispenza, Mm -hmm. Mike Dooley, Bashar, a couple of other channelers. Yeah. You're doing great work in this field. I mean, there's a lot now that wasn't back in the day. So, oh my gosh. And then when The Secret came out, good Lord. So um, you were already established as... Yeah. Doing this stuff, then the secret comes up. And oh, do you want to is- hear something hilarious? Yeah. My uh, so I hired a coach. I hired a mentor coach to help me build a business, Gina Gabellini. One of the things she told me, she said, and this was back before this was popular stuff. Okay, so she said, whatever you do, don't call yourself a law of attraction coach. No one will know what that is. She said uh-huh. they'll think you're you're a dating coach. And when it came time to actually put this online. I was like, but I am a law of attraction coach. Exactly. Like my inspiration was to call it that, even though what she said made sense, I had the inspiration to call it that. So I did. I was on biz- I was online in business as a law of attraction coach. And then the secret came out. Mm, <laughs> and there I timing. was. Yeah, there was like so when someone Googled law of attraction coach, ta-da, there was no one ever asked me if I was a dating coach. <laughs> yeah. Well, when I looked at you in 2013 or 14, you were by far the top, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And me. so you were like pre-paving this whole thing to hit <laughs> and hit at the right time. And, and this is the funny thing about anyone who's in the old approach to life of control, you hire them for anything. I don't care if it's a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. They believe they need to tell you something, oh, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. people will, will succumb to their expertise rather oh, than to accept their own inspiration. Oh, right. Because we are our own experts. That inner guidance. That's inner guidance. Hello. That's the expert in the house. And you're right. We totally hand the reins over to someone who's done it or fixed someone else because they, and they believe it because they've seen it work. So they've got this conviction and confidence around it. And that if you don't do it, it won't work for you. Yeah. Yeah. You can't go to a doctor without them giving you something to fix whatever you think you have. And the fix doesn't lie in the doctor. The fix lies in your belief system. Yeah. And can you imagine if a doctor said, listen, it's your belief system. That, and you know, <laughs> it's just a symptom of your belief system. It's not a real thing. One but day. They think they have to say something. One day. And you know what? There probably are doctors out there who are trying to figure out how to incorporate this. Because I know I've heard Abraham have hot seaters who are in the medical profession. And they want to know how to be more effective at helping others heal. So I know they're already in their vortex is a way to incorporate this um, approach to life in what they offer to their patients. One of these days, we're going to see that at a at a level that will astonish us from what it, the system reflects today, Gary. There is a high-level, famous oncologist who's in the boot camp now. Wow. And, and we're having this discussion, and Joshua says that cancer is the physical manifestation of fear. Mm. And she says, I know that. 
I can see it every day. I tell patients that, and some of them can hear it and some of them can't. Mm-hmm. And now she's going on to be a speaker oh, talking wow. about the law of attraction. Wow. With her credentials and with her, her background. Credentials. That's Come what on. Said, yeah. Wow. With, with her credentials, knowing what she knows, going through the boot camp, seeing everything from this higher perspective, understanding how the whole system works, and having the experience of, you know, 30 Traditional. Years of doing this. You yeah. know, this is the evolution that we were talking about, isn't it? This is exactly. a perfect reflection of it. Yeah. And she says mm-hmm. a lot of her patients are willing to accept that it's vibrational. <laughs> you know, and she says, with those people, they are the ones that get cured and the others wow. don't. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much That's going exciting. On. That is so exciting and encouraging to hear. It's like John of God. Have you heard of John of God? I have, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, It's this amazing belief system. They get these people into, they prepare them. I think they wear all white. Mm -hmm. And they go down to South America, wherever that is. And they just have this experience that lasts like a minute, maybe at most. And the things that happen. And in fact, Wayne Dyer uh, went to John of God, and he died a little bit after that. But his family said when he died, there was no trace of cancer. Oh boy! Yeah, um, there's all kind of you know placebos. Placebos, yeah. drugs can't um, have such a hard time going on the market because they have to <laughs> be know. a placebo, and they can't. You know, isn't that hilarious? Oh and my the gosh. placebo works even if the person knows it's a placebo. There's, that, that is so fascinating to me. And instead of like trying to get the placebo benefit out of medicine, why don't we leverage it better? I, I don't. Yeah, you know. we were going to start a line of Joshua placebo pills that you can buy in the pharmacy. And this <laughs> placebo works for this thing, right? <laughs> you know, what it says well, just, right on there placebo for sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. You know, I know this. So I had been taking, uh, it was a, a supplement that my alternative health doctor had recommended many years ago. And this was many years ago that I had been taking it, but it was really expensive. It was like at the time it was $45 a month. And I thought, wait a minute, if this is all in my head, I don't need these. So I stopped taking them and I got sick for the first time in years. And I was like, okay, well, it's a very effective placebo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. I so I don't yeah. still take them, but, <laughs> but it was a while before I found something else that I was inspired to swap it out with. And that idea that this Bashar calls them permission slips yeah. because a lot of people are like, I, I know that this is all me, but this healing or this effect came from when I used this, whether it was a crystal or a prescription or a diet or whatever. And Bashar says, they're all permission slips. However you give yourself permission to heal, you are, that's the, that's the factor that makes the difference. But sometimes you attribute it to something outside of yourself, which is fine. Use your tools, but know how it's really working. Yeah. So Joshua says that you attract or adopt beliefs of course, everything in this universe is attracted. So when you attract beliefs, you can't push them away. You're going to have those beliefs forever. You can diminish the, their intensity, but they're always going to be with you. Mm. Joshua says, you can jump out of a plane and land perfectly if you believed it. But you're mm. never going to believe that, so you're mm. never going to jump out of a plane unless you have a parachute, which is your device to help you conquer your 
limiting belief that you can't jump out of an airplane. And so a pill can be your parachute in that sense, that this is the thing that allows you to believe that you can heal yourself. You know, I was just thinking about this the other day. I, a friend recommended that she, she was telling me the story of how she got some reader, some reader glasses and how it's completely eliminated her headaches. Mm. And I thought, yeah, maybe I should get readers. I, so I tried them and oh my gosh, was I astonished at the difference. So I was thinking about, but I know that physical decline as we age is a myth. It doesn't have to happen that way. These bodies are designed to last much longer. If right. we believe that they would, then they would. But I'm not like, I didn't really feel like I carried around beliefs that my eyesight would diminish over time. I don't really feel like I ever had fear of it or wearing glasses or anything. And yet these readers are amazing. So I wondered like how much power we have to um, opt out of what mass consciousness believes because that has to be where that came from. Okay, well, how about this? How about the fact that what you truly want is to see clearly and the readers get you there. Why oh does gosh. it need to be any other way? <laughs> you know, why do you have to be resistant to readers and say, damn my eyesight, why am I getting older? It's all about resistance. You it know? is, isn't it? You have the yep. abundance of readers. People didn't have readers 400 years ago, <laughs> I, right? I, seriously, I, I've, and I bought three pair. They came in a package of three, but my friend said, she's got 15 laying around the house and it's not enough. So I thought, oh, I guess I can have three. And I, these, and I was these like, things would be worth $300 if they were $300, right? I, honestly, I was like, <laughs> people in other countries, like what, when I think about, here, these were just a couple of dollars for me to buy mm -hmm. and how much difference they could make for someone else. But yeah, I, I've got love for readers. <laughs> yeah. That's, so the, what, what is, the whole thing about aging in time is that the reason that we're in physical reality is to have a, a brand new perspective of source. We are living our life and that gives source this perspective. And so everyone, everyone's experience adds to the tapestry of what source is. And so, so source is lack and abundance and limitation and freedom all at the same time, this well-rounded view. And we all come in here to experience lack as well as abundance and and fear as well as love, all of the other sides of it to get this well-rounded experience. So every moment though, we're having a new perspective and we expand through each perspective. So if we popped into physical reality at 20 and we never aged and we mm. felt the same way at 20 mm. in 300 years as we do now, there'd be no perspective. I gotcha. So we wow, come in as a baby, cool. we get that perspective. We come in as a two-year-old. I mean, we, then we get it to be a two-year-old and then a 10-year-old. And, and every huh. moment along that timeline, we see a new perspective. Space is the same thing. We move from here to here and we see a new perspective. You know? Wow, that is so cool. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. So we want the perspective and we want to age and we want to, to transition to the non-physical and come in again. We do not mm -hmm. want to live for a thousand years. You know, I get it. We mm -hmm. want, because well, yeah, if you could be as enthusiastic and spry and fun loving at 80 as you were at 20, you would have a thrilling time at 80, you know, but what happens is people, you know, they're, 
the momentum of their limiting beliefs grows uh-huh. so and much resistance. and gets so strong and they get more and more and more fear as they get older and then they the fear manifests in their body and then they transition and they're you don't see a lot of people who are just exuberant when they're 80 you see a, a few shiny mm-hmm. examples mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. The, the majority and so we say let's work on those limiting beliefs now so that we can have fun and be silly and be spontaneous and, mm-hmm. and be free. enthusiastic mm-hmm. and free and we can do anything and we have the wisdom of these years and we can have this higher perspective. Let's make 50 as fun as 20 was. <laughs> hey, for some of us, 50 is maybe more fun than 20 was. <laughs> yeah. Well, it definitely feels better for uh, sure. Yeah, if you're a, in this right fr- you know, frame of mind. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, is, had a, go ahead. I had a dream once. I read a book from Kim Falconer, The Spell of Rosette, and uh, I started the book. I fell asleep, and I had a dream that literally changed my life. In this dream, uh, everything that could happen to a human being happened. You know how dreams don't make sense. Like, I was sure. young, and I was old, and I was male, and I was female. And I had all these different experiences as a person. I was murdered, and I did murder. I loved and I was loved. I betrayed and I did betray. Like everything that could happen in this dream, it happened. And the very last piece of it was the betrayal where I was betrayed and then I did betray. And I woke up right as this last piece of human experience came into place. And I, ex- I felt fulfillment like mm-hmm. I'd never felt in my life. And I realized in this dream that it's all good. We came here for all of it, even what some people might think of as ugly or negative or unwanted. I wouldn't have been happy with only the pot, quote unquote, positive. I wanted, it, but it wasn't complete without all of it, including murder and betrayal. Yeah. And I woke up from that dream and, and I thought, I it, it sounded trite before whenever someone would say it's all good. And that's, that concept is um, shared in a variety of ways among a, a variety of teachers. But in, from that dream, I understood the truth of it. It really, truly is all good, which is why, because a person, I know some people are like, but you know what? I like who I am now. I like what I understand about life. I don't want to have to reincarnate, to, you know, in a different vehicle, in a different life. But you know what? We kind of, I couldn't. I, you, we you can't get it all in one experience. So we've got to keep doing it. Whenever I talk with someone who feels really proud, like, okay, I'm doing my last incarnation. I don't have to do this anymore because I'm evolved <laughs> enough that I don't have to come back. I'm like, have to come back. It's a get to come back. It's, it's a like, get to come back. Yeah. Hello. This is a, this is, this is a privilege to be here. Even when we're in the middle of some of that crazy contrast that we think we definitely never would have picked this. Oh yes, yeah. we did. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's. if you think of it from a higher perspective, you exist in the non-physical, you're eternal, you're tapped fully into source, you can't experience what lack is, you can't experience fear, you can't experience betrayal or secrets or inauthenticity mm, or any mm. of these things. And so you come in and guess what the most um, popular ride is in the amusement park of physical reality? It's the lack oh. ride. And so no matter who you are, you mm. could be the richest person in the world and you have a lack of time. You could be have mm. a lack of mm. relationships or a lack of money or a lack of freedom, you know. And so once we explore that and we realize what we've been doing, we get to this information. If you're listening to this now, you've gotten here. You can say, all right, 
what do I as a human want to explore now? And then you get to create based on who you truly are and start following this path of Mm self-discovery, discovering that Mm -hmm. you are source, you know, Mm -hmm. and the perfection of you as you are now allows all these hidden talents and attributes to emerge. And then you become the most highly effective version of you that's ever existed. And Mm -hmm. that's the other flip side of that lack stuff you came to explore. But what people do is they say, I'm exploring lack and I hate lack and I can't stand lack and I'm attracting more lack and I'm attracting an abundance of lack. And so actually you are always attracting abundance. It's just the abundance of this thing you're focused on, which is lack, right? How come it always happens that the person who has no money, their car breaks down, they, you know, the something breaks in the house or they get a bill that they don't know about. Well, that's your, you can explore anything you want here. That's what you're exploring. So why don't you explore the other side of it? Oh, why not? Because you don't feel worthy to? Second most popular oh, ride. Oh, my gosh. I so agree with you on that. Yeah. Boy, yeah. that's an important one to get a handle on. So recently, Josh has been talking about this, imperf- this illusion of imperfection. So the reality is that you were, we were all perfect the day we were born. So if we're perfect the day we're born, how did we get to be imperfect? Well, right? we didn't. Right. right. We're right. always perfect in every moment. Mm-hmm. We just don't see it. We see the illusion of imperfection. Mm-hmm. Now, you get to see past that illusion of imperfection and realize that the things that you think are wrong about you are actually the things that resonate mm-hmm. with people that you are meant to be with mm-hmm. and to maybe lead and teach mm-hmm. and inspire you know, all of the, what you would call the shit that happened in your life and you move through it and you expand it through it. And now you can see it from another perspective where it wasn't really wrong. It was the thing that catalyzed you into becoming who you are now, crystallized you. And so now you can share that perspective with others who are going through the same thing. This is what you came for. But you think, oh, that thing that happened to me proves that I can't do this or that or the other thing. Well, and that is, that's such an important illusion to um, reveal because it changes our experience of everything. The only thing that will ever matter is your perspective on yourself mm. because what you're really doing is you're exploring source, what source is, and since your source, then your exploration is determined by how you view yourself. And that is what adds to the tapestry of all these perspectives of source. And everyone's perspective is unique, not just in their life, but every moment of their life. And so now if you realize that you're perfect and you're source and you can do whatever you want to do and you'll have fear and doubt, but that fear and doubt is irrational, that you can go on a journey of discovering who you truly are as an aspect of source And that will be a rewarding choice of exploration Mm -hmm. rather than Mm -hmm. trying to control everything and what you're doing is exploring who you're not. Hmm. It's all valid and good, but what's going to feel good is this exploration of who you truly are. That's going to be satisfying and rewarding. But you're going to have to overcome fears and doubts about yourself along the way, which is part of that journey. And you never want to get to the end of it. You just want to keep doing the journey. The journey is the whole thing. Yes. What a powerful message. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. But it takes work and it takes, you know, some 
you know, some commitment to yourself to invest in yourself to say, I'm worthy of working with Jeanette, working with Gary, working with whatever. Um, you know, you get a lot of stuff from books intellectually, but how do you, in, in podcasts and, and videos, how do you, how do you internalize that into the very fiber of your being? So now you live what you know. Well, that's the tricky part, isn't it? Especially when those around us aren't doing this routine, doing this solo. I think, I, I, look, my life changed more in three months of working with an LOA savvy coach than it had in three years of me working law of attraction on my own. Right. It's, it's pretty powerful stuff. Well, imagine going, I mean, I don't really buy into the institution of education, but imagine going to college and going into the library and just trying to study on your own rather than actually going to the courses where people are teaching what they know. You know? Well, that's, that's, you know, why I had that book that, or that rule for myself, do one thing from every book, because it, until we practice this, it's right. not enough to study it. Yeah. I have clients who've been studying Abraham longer than I have, mm-hmm. who uh, can quote them better. They're mm-hmm. more, but if you aren't living it, it doesn't do anything for you. It's, well, that's, you know, the thing about Abraham is it's an intellectual pursuit mm-hmm. that you go and you listen and you really resonate with it and you do it. But, but what is there that you could take from it that you can actually do? You know, you that's know, why working with someone is so good because you have a system or a program to go through. And you know, I'm lying. Yeah. I've, I've got a, um, a free challenge on Facebook called the Ultimate Receiving Challenge where we do exactly that. We invite people to, and it's a worthiness exercise. We're practicing receiving, practicing the vibration of having what you want instead of being so familiar with lack and Mm -hmm. um, holding out on ourselves. Uh, And so this, this actual practice, like a very specific, here's what we're going to practice with today. Today we practice receiving compliments. Today we ask someone to help. Today we give ourselves a gift those actual practices are how we change because until we, until we translate um, that knowledge into uh, it, embracing it in our daily life, it, it doesn't make a difference. Well, what you're doing there is you're saying, do this thing and then have the, the expansive experience of this activity or this action that you're taking and then see the result of it see how you feel, you've expanded more, and now you've adopted a beneficial belief that wasn't mm-hmm. there before. Mm-hmm. You know, if you read yeah. a book, you can say, okay, well, this is all good and well, but there's no tangible evidence because you haven't done something like you were talking about before is scripting. You actually scripted, you actually did something. You saw the evidence, it altered your belief system and your entire reality changed from that. Hmm. Yeah. It's exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is a brilliant conversation. Thanks so much for being here. I can't believe an hour went by so quickly. It's always fun to play with you. Thanks for inviting me, Gary. (laughs) Tell everyone where they can find you. Goodvibeblog.com is where all my best stuff is. Um, I'm also hosting a manifesting party for conscious creators at goodvibeuniversity.com. But the best way to plug into my world is over at the blog. So goodvibeblog.com. And your podcast? Oh, yeah. LOARecon.com. And uh, I do have links to the podcast episodes at the blog. It's under the podcast section, so you can access that there. Yep. 
but I get a lot of good feedback from the podcast. I had no idea. So many people preferred to listen instead of read. <laughs> no one, everyone wants, I don't want to read anymore. I, I don't, I don't do podcasts. I, so I never really understood it, but it's so great. You just put them on while you're at the gym or while you're walking or when you're in your car, you know, I have videos and the, you know, I have uh, two podcasts. This is one of them. The, the big one is Joshua live. Joshua Live is one of the biggest podcasts on earth. And, wow. but the, I make them into videos too. No one watches the videos, but I have all the stats and the stats on the, on the podcast are out of this world. It's in the wow. top 1% of all podcasts Wow! for a law of attraction, right? <laughs> it's in the top of spirituality podcasts all over the world. It's like number two in Australia or something. That it's is like so amazing. Cool. You, know? you are so cool. It's not me. It's I'm just doing what actually what, <laughs> what that podcast is. It's yeah. our free weekly. Well, we do two of them now, but it's we have a group that gets together to ask Joshua questions. There's mm. usually 30 or 40 people on that group at any one time. And we just record it and put it under the podcast. That's all it is. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's all it is. And it's totally fun and totally interesting and like this one it goes by like that which means you know it's your passion yep. Yep. right yep time loses meaning yeah huh so well, well i'm the, excited about what you're up to and i'm, I'm excited glad about I got what to you're up to you yeah. are bridging this you know you you are this um unbelievably powerful spiritual leader and teacher who is creating this system where people can get on board, follow along, raise their vibration, access other stuff that you have, the, the, all the different things you have on, on mm-hmm. all that, the courses, and then your mm-hmm. own personal coaching and all that stuff. Can people still actually coach yeah. with you personally? Yep, I still do it. Yep. Wow. Not, not as much as I used to, but I still yeah. do some. I get great inspiration from it. Like my, I, yeah. Yeah. So, so it is equal to the greatest spiritual teachers that you know. There is no one more powerful than you. Look at where Good you Lord. are. Wow. Right? Oh, boy. Look at where you are. You are the top of the top of this whole thing. It's amazing. Well, I like that thought, my friend. <laughs> and you just did it because you were following inspiration. And you're going with the flow of what you are here to explore and what you're passionate about. And it's fun and interesting, and plus all the animal stuff that you're into. Mm-hmm. By the way, we have a dog, Tucker, that is a shepherd poodle. Shepherd oh, poodle. really? Oh, you know, my gosh, how cute. Half German shepherd, half standard poodle. Too smart. I thought it was good to get a smart dog. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> this dog can open all the doors in the whole oh, house. No. Oh, no. And, and can actually open the door and let himself out. The door swings in. Do you have a do you have a fenced yard? Nope. He likes to just go wherever he goes. He comes back. <laughs> but the neighbor has chickens and his favorite thing to do is chase their chickens. Oh, well, as long as all he does is chase, that might be okay. I'm just waiting for the first day he just gets hungry. 
You it know. happened. Yeah. My my, it happened to my child. It, I didn't realize it was like his last month here in that body, but he did catch one of the neighbor's chickens, and I was horrified. They were really good about it. Their kids had accidentally left the coop open. Uh, Coda had his big moment. He caught a chicken. I don't I don't know that he killed anyone, but there were feathers everywhere. Uh, and so when he when he died a month later, I was really happy that he got to have that experience. Yeah, right. Before he went. <laughs> <Good for him. laughs> a little city dog got to be a country dog for a minute. Oh, the right. joy we get from our animals and our friends. Gary, thank you Absolutely. again for a good time. Let's do this again sometime. I'd love to. Invite me back anytime. Okay, great. All right. Big love, my friend. Big love. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on the Teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Remember, you are loved more than you can imagine by more than you could ever count. We'll see you next week. <laughs>